I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think for for me personally, the, the worst thing I ever did to myself going back to like childhood trauma on was making myself small, have no voice, make kind of like conforming to whatever was the dominant thing. And I guess the dominant thing in the sport of running is white people. And I felt like, you know, there is a stigma about people of color. Like, you know, if you are putting your foot down and stating something, you are angry. If you are, you know, just not making yourself small in order to fit in. That is not culturally where I come from. My people are loud and proud, and I love that. I might be the quietest one in my family, but <laughs> like that's not how I grew up. I grew up with people who were, especially the women in my family, very opinionated, very like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. And I lost that. I lost that sense of like my culture and, you know, the family and the community I come from, just making myself small to fit in a predominantly white sport. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. I spent so much of my life making myself small to fit in. I'm not doing that anymore. I feel like that is like, whenever I feel like I'm going back to that, I refer back to the things that happened to me in my childhood. And I remember how horrible that made me feel, but I also remember how resilient that made me. And that's how I want to continue. It's just loud and proud. Women's running, running, running. Women's running stories. Good morning. My name is Jasmine. Yes, this episode features Jasmine's story. Jasmine Santiago, to be exact. And you're going to hear the journey she went through to arrive at a place where she is expressing her full and evolving voice in the sport of running. But before we hear more from Jasmine, welcome to Women's Running Stories. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And if you are new here, thank you for joining me. If you are a return listener, I really appreciate you coming back. And before we dive into this episode, I want to remind you that we are a member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And there is another show in the network that I know you will really enjoy. It is called Hear Her Sports. It is hosted and produced by my good friend, Elizabeth Emery. And in every single episode, Elizabeth talks to a woman athlete or a woman who is otherwise involved in the sports industry, and they get into the what and the why behind the pursuits of the guests that is featured. And Elizabeth chooses women from a wide variety of pursuits. 
They might be athletes who are sailors or swimmers or cyclists. They may be women who are involved in sports nutrition or sports media or who make clothes for athletes. And whoever the guest or whatever topic they are passionate about, Elizabeth really has a knack for drawing out the interesting details that really gets you into why this person is so passionate about what they do and how they have become so great at their pursuits. The other great thing I love about these interviews is I always find takeaways that I can apply not only to my athlete life, but also to my life in general. And above all else, they're just really interesting. I always learn so much and often about people or pursuits that I really didn't know much about before I listened to the interview. So give it a listen. It's Hear Her Sports with Elizabeth Emery. She puts out episodes every other week on Thursday. And of course, I will provide links to Hear Her Sports in the show notes. Now on to Jasmine Santiago's story. Jasmine is both a runner as well as now a podcaster. She's the host of the show Brown Girl Running. Jasmine herself is Puerto Rican and Mexican and Apache. And in addition to sharing her own story, she interviews other runners of color about their experiences. In this episode, Jasmine shares the story of how she got to where she is today in her running journey, which, as is often the case, is about so much more than the act of running itself. For Jasmine, it's also about community, but before that, it was about something much more personal. I do want to make a note up top here. In this episode, Jasmine does mention substance abuse, attempted suicide, and sexual assault. So please be mindful. Now let's hear from Jasmine Santiago. I think I, now that I'm older and wiser, I look back at when I first started running and I think I chose to start running because I was looking for like the ultimate form of self-care while I was going through pretty much like trauma therapy from stuff that happened in my childhood. And I feel like when you open up those wounds and you try to like work through it and you're trying to like get help. It's a lot because what I was going through is I had moved to Florida and that's where I first became a runner was in Florida, but I was coming from Chicago and the life that I had in Chicago was just pure escapism. I was abusing drugs and alcohol and like trying to numb like this basically like years as a child of sexual assaults. And I was just trying to like numb it because it was bubbling. When you hold something in for that long, it just like bubbles and keeps like coming up and coming up. And I guess I was just trying to like self-medicate. And then finally, I hit rock bottom. That's when my family was like, no, you need to start over again. We're sending you to Florida because my parents and my brother had moved to Florida. And that's where I started running. And... It was the first time, like, through therapy, I found out, like, there was a lot of sense of shame that I was holding in, holding on to from the things that happened in my childhood. There was a sense of, like, this body is not mine. And that I, like, I, I can't believe, like, so many years I went through just, like, this body is not mine. Like, when I feel like when something like that happens to you, it's almost like 
you're having an outer body experience. Like, I can't believe this is happening to me. And then I think through running, it helped me like get back into my body, be so proud of my body because running's hard. (laughs) So whether you're doing like one mile or a hundred miles, all of it is hard. So I think just seeing like how much strength I could cultivate while running, that was a big one for me. And running just, it taught me like how to be resilient. How do you come back from like all these horrible things happening to you as a child and then like, you know, still continue, which was probably the hardest thing for me because I am not a stranger to, you know, I, I have shared with a friend before, like there have been times where I've tried to take my own life and they were never successful. And I felt like that was a sign, like, I need to be here. I need to get out of this like dark hole and I need to find something that's going to make my life better, make me better. And that was running. It's to me, and I I kind of like figured this out through therapy. When I had described running to my therapist, she was like, it's like you're meditating. I go, yes, because it feels like I'm super present. I'm really like in this moment. I can feel my body. And yeah, it's like my Zen place where I get to go and just decompress and just like, Sometimes I'll listen to music, so I'll, like, almost be in, like, this very cinematic, like, sometimes I visualize that I'm, like, in my own little, like, indie movie, like, running, and it's a cool shot, and I'm just, like, so, like, present and meditative and feeling good, and I guess that's what I mean by, like, it's the ultimate self-care, because it feels like my most authentic self and then also my most connective to everything because it just is 1000% me and 1000% real and present. And um, that is something that I definitely feel like I have struggled with for a long time because I, you know, I do struggle with both anxiety and depression. And I feel like running has really helped me on both spectrums of like how to deal with that and how to just also like get out of those like in the depression part like get out of those dark times and then in the anxiety part which I still struggle with I feel like I'm I feel like with the depression part I've gotten really good at like working through things and I kind of figured out a way where I don't go to those dark places but with anxiety it's kind of hard especially with everything that's going on in the world <laughs> like I feel like I'm easily triggered by things <laughs> so running kind of like brings me back to being present being meditative Jasmine had these deep personal connections to running and yes it was a place where she developed community the first uh, I would say like run group, that I joined was a very big one. And I really enjoyed that group. But with like every big group, sometimes there's like clicks, a little bit of drama. But for the most part, it was a really great positive group. That's where I first learned about speed work, the long run, tempo runs. I went on to be on like Ragnar teams with uh, people from this group. There were 
you know, we would do 5K relays. And I, I met some of the best people from this group, friends that I'm like still friends with, like they are now like an extension of my family. One of them that that we found out was our neighbor in Florida, lived in the same apartment complex as us. And we had watched this person get married, have kids, move into a house. Like it was very much like that kind of friendships that we found in this running group. When I say we, because I actually met my husband through this running group too. So it was just, that first group was definitely one of, probably one of the best experiences I've had with a running group. And also like when I first started running, my parents would come to like my races and they wanted to get involved. And that group was so just great with my parents. Like they were able to find people to run with. They were able to find people to like encourage them. So it was great. It was like the, I remember there's a time like the whole family was running And they were all part of this run group. And still to this day, I am so grateful and just so thankful that I like, that was my first experience in a run group. And that was my family's first experience in a run group because that run group really taught me what being a part of a good community looks like. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. My very first marathon I ended up doing with my husband, my now husband. He was in my boyfriend at the time. And I remember after doing that marathon, I had run a sub four hours. I did not realize what that meant at all to anybody. (laughs) I was still new to like running. I didn't know it was like a big deal to break like a time barrier. And I remember a gentleman from this other group that I was like I've heard about. And I always thought they were kind of intimidating because they had faster times. They looked, they looked like the runners you would see on like runner's world back in the day, like very tall, skinny. And I just remember that guy in the group was like, you should run with us because you're getting faster. And who knows, you might be able to like Boston qualify. And he kind of like planted the seed in my head, like maybe I can Boston qualify, you know? Yeah, I think because I was younger, I was in my 20s at the time. I think the times meant more to me than they do now. Now I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I just want to do this forever. But at that time, after her first marathon, Jasmine was interested in getting faster and shooting for time goals. So she moved to that new team, which she describes as being a little more serious about their training. And she adds... They also had like a wide range. Like there was first time runners all the way to people who qualified for Boston or done like all the world majors, a lot of ultra runners. So it was like a big spectrum, which was great because it's like 
it was, it introduced me to a lot of things. Like I got involved in trail races. That was the first time I ever did ultras. That was the first time I wasn't like on an, an ultra Ragnar team. And they also did like track workouts. So it was like across the board. Um, I definitely got faster pretty quick because there's just so many people to run with and so many people like so many races too because uh originally the creator of that group also had a uh a race company so she was putting on races as well and she kind of incorporated that with the run group so it was really easy to like I definitely fell into the trap of maybe over racing. <laughs> I think a lot of us at the beginning do that. Um, but it was it was really easy to get involved in races. And it was really easy to also like get involved in volunteering. That was the first time I did like volunteering of water stations and cheer stations. And it was just like I really felt like being in that group, I'm like this is this is my jam. Like this is what I want to do on my free time. I want to wake up early in the morning and pass out. Dixie Cups to runners. Jasmine had found her thing and a community she wanted to share it with, or so she thought. That all began to shift in 2020. Ahmaud Arbery video came out. George Floyd had happened. Breonna Taylor, all of that. And as somebody who's a like a, I'm a woman of color. Like this personally hit me in the heart and in the soul of what was happening in the world. And I think for the longest time previous to what happened in 2020, I think I was very like, I love running so much. I'm going to stay small. I'm going to like not have the loudest voice in the room, Um, which really sucks because I felt like a lot of my adulthood, I worked to like free that little Jasmine who went through like, the sexual assaults and that's how I found my voice was through running and that's how I found sticking up for myself was through running and I felt like I just relapsed into like little Jasmine all over again because I love the sport of running so much but during that time that like awakened something (laughs) in me like no we don't deserve to be treated like this people who just look different don't deserve to be made to be small. And I started speaking up. I started using my social media platform, posting things on my Instagram stories and on my profile. And there was a day I decided to put a definition of white privilege because I didn't even know that was a thing. And I felt it because everybody that I was primarily like running with was white. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, there is this thing that these white runners have that I don't have and I feel it and I see it. So I had posted it and this friend slash training partner saw it and went ballistic on me. And then on that day, my husband and I had a uh, a day date that we were going to do at Disney. And I was so excited because like going to Disney took me out of like the 2020 you know, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, like it was just a lot. And I think he had like purposely planned that day. Like you need to get out of this for a moment and just 
enjoy the small things in life, like going on a roller coaster or something. And during that time, this person just kept calling me and voice messages and text messages. And I just remember being in the parking lot of Disney in my husband's car crying because this person was just calling me reverse racist, saying I'm a good person because I did missionary trips in Vietnam. And I was like, okay, let's, and I took everything in my power not to reply like, okay, let's use the white savior complex. Let's do that right now. Cause that's helping the situation. And I just remember calling my mom and she was with my aunt and like crying on the phone. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't like, do I just block this number? Do I put my phone on airplane mode? Like, what do I do? Like, this is getting out of hand. It got so out of hand that this person has a business and she posted on her business that I had inner demons. And to say that to somebody who's like gone through so much, like in childhood and worked through so much to be standing here alive really hit me hard. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, cause it just, it knocked me down and it took me a long time to get back up from that because I thought this person was my friend and I thought this person cared about me as a person. And then that whole experience made me realize, I don't think I'm around people that genuinely give a F about me. And not as much as I would for them because I, it just, it, it was the domino effect of so many bad experiences. And those bad ex- experiences I think happened because I finally put my foot down and like, no, I did not work this hard to dim my light, be, make myself small, have no voice because I love the sport of running. That is not me. I did not work that hard in therapy. I did not work that hard to stop abusing drugs. I did not work that hard to be here to be treated like this. Jasmine realized she needed to get away from this former friend and training partner who had now become abusive. Jasmine left the team that had been such a powerful part of her life, and she also decided to leave her coach. This abusive teammate and Jasmine's coach were very close friends. It was a tight-knit crowd. But Jasmine moved on. She found a great, new, all-women's running team and coach, and she built a powerful sisterhood with them. But that did not end the disturbingly aggressive behavior that was directed toward Jasmine. In another incident, it came from another competitor. And at first, this didn't appear to be connected to the abusive behavior Jasmine had previously experienced from that former friend and teammate. But then again, maybe it was. It all went down after a race when this other competitor made a surprising confrontation. What had happened is she got mad and went up to my coach. My coach, my husband, and my teammate were all like in a circle just talking. She comes up, goes directly to my coach and says, she isn't in fifth place or fourth place. I don't even remember what place I was in. I'm supposed to be in that place and blah, 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 blah. And it was at the time like where COVID was at the height. So everybody had a mask on. So I couldn't see their reactions. But after that happened... I just remember like, 
you know, my husband pulling down his mask and you could see the state of shock in his face, everybody. And funny enough, my abuser was at that race. She saw the whole thing. And I remember I was with one of my other teammates and my husband and we were walking to our cars and they were talking amongst themselves in front of us. And the abuser kept looking back at me. And in my head, I'm like, did they like plan to do this? Like, was this their way of like, is this some mean girl charade? Because that's what it felt like. And I was just like, I have never felt smaller in my life. It, It made me feel like, do I, like that was where I was like, I don't know if I want to be in this sport anymore. And that was like just one of the worst because I love writing so much and I'm like, but is it worth being treated like this? Given these and other unsettling experiences, Jasmine was rethinking her relationship to running and she was also afraid. It didn't appear that the nasty behavior toward her would stop or how far it would go. Eventually, she and her husband decided to leave Florida and relocate to Raleigh, North Carolina, where Jasmine's husband had grown up. But it did take some time before Jasmine was ready to get involved in the running community again. I would say like the first couple of years was like really hard for me to open up and be like, like I wanted to be more involved in the running community, but I was also so very scared and I had built this wall up and I had to like do a lot of therapy to undo that wall And it's taken like a good year and a half, I would say. Like this is the first time where I've really opened up and like dipped my toes into like being more involved in running groups. And I do credit the podcast that I started because I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to find guests for the show if I don't like put myself out there and see what what are these groups and what are the, who are these people that are in the BIPOC running community here? And I am thankful that first off that I like even started the podcast. Cause I noticed that that, you know, women of color are kind of lacking in the podcast category and it has opened me up to more BIPOC running communities, more marginalized communities in general here. And one of the first group runs where I felt like, okay, I'm just going to go in with open mind, open heart was a unity run between Latinos run and black men run. And it was so very different from any other group run I went to in the best way. Every single person came up to me and said, good morning, give me a fist pump. I've never had that before. Not even in like the first running group in Florida. Like we would say casually hi to each other, but like we wouldn't go up to people and like fist pump them and say good morning. And that was just so nice and inviting and it made me feel welcomed. And they would introduce themselves. And not many running groups that I was a part of in the past did that. Not that I can remember. And that was really cool. And we were running along the trail and even because we were doing it out and back because they have a no man, woman, person left behind policy, which I thought was great. I have definitely been in running groups where I was left behind (laughs) and 
it was just nice to see that they genuinely care about every single person in their group. And even on the out and back, every person that I was seeing run by was saying, good job, giving me a thumbs up. And I'm just like, this is really nice. Like, I feel like I belong here. And I'm going to be quite honest. I've never run with a predominantly black and Latino group run ever. It was always majority white. So it was nice to be amongst people who know what it feels like to be marginalized or probably had similar experiences that I have had in the running community. So it was the first time where I felt like I belong here. These people understand what I've gone through. And I'm pretty sure we've unfortunately had similar experiences throughout our lifetime. So it felt like um, really safe, which I feel like that is so sad to say, but it's true. And I think that group run kind of made me open myself up again to, okay, you know what? I am going to go, I want to go run with other groups in this area. Um, we have a, it's like a mental health advocate group, Still I Run. And they started one here in Durham. And I was like, well, I want to go run out, go run with that group. I want to see what they're all about because they are, you know, advocates of mental health. And there's a lot of, on their page, there's a lot of talk about people starting running because of depression or like they've, you know, they have tried suicide in the past and, you know, thankfully failed and are still here and living and have taken up running and that just made me like oh I can relate to that so there are like other groups that are just not like Latinos run black men run there's also another group that I I had asked them one time well because I want them to we are working to get them on the podcast and it's the queer runners of Durham and I was like well can I come out and run as like an ally because I just want to I feel like my purpose or meaning now is to just amplify those of us who feel marginalized because of all these experiences that I've had. I'm just like, we deserve a platform. We deserve our voices to be amplified um, because there is nobody while I was going through this that I felt like truly understood. And then it, wasn't until like I opened up about these experiences, actually through Diverse We Run, Carolyn Sue's profile. And I credit her all the time. I'm like, you have inspired me to start the podcast. Um, the moment I shared those stories, I shared uh, that happened to me in Florida. That's when I've truly connected with other runners in the BIPOC running community who've gone through similar things. And it was like, how sad is it that we are connected through these horrible experiences we've had in the running community? But how wonderful is it that we are able to empower each other because of these horrible experiences in the running community? Jasmine is providing a platform for other BIPOC runners to share their experiences through her podcast. And she's clear on what she'd like to see from the running community as a whole. 
I would love it to be more diverse and inclusive and not just saying it, but actually seeing it and doing that action. So many people in the writing community say we're in a diverse and inclusive group, but then you show up and you're like, I literally am the only person of color here. And I want to reverse this situation. And this is something that I have been like talking with some of like friends that I have here who are white. I I invite them to all the Latinos run, all the unity runs. I invite them because I go, if you truly want to do the work, come out, run with people who do not look like you, listen to them, listen to their experience, run a couple of miles with them, encourage each other. I think that's how you, you, it's a call to action to white people. If you really want to do the work, you got to take action. You can't just say it. You can't just read a book and go, oh. I'm not racist anymore. You actually have to physically do the work. And that's the one thing that like really makes me mad is when people say, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do the work. And they read a book and they're like, I'm not racist anymore. But I'm like, but you're still running with what only white people. If you want things to be more diverse and inclusive, you need to get uncomfortable. You need to go to these groups and diversify your running groups you know like that's like to me I feel like that's the easiest thing maybe it's the easiest thing for me to say or I think it's the easiest thing because I've spent so much time in predominantly white running groups and I'm like hello I've been in your shoes literally as a woman of color now it's your turn and I've you know like it's easy there's so many like especially now there's so many opportunities here in the triangle area to get together with one of these groups you know even me one like reaching out to the queer runners of durham like i'm not queer but i want to learn more about your community so i would like to come out to a group run and learn more about all of y'all and you know understand normalizing pronouns understand because that's new to me so that's just something I would like to see. I would like to see more white people's not saying that they're doing the work, but actually physically doing the work. And how do you do that? Diversify your run group, diversify your running partners. You know, there's a great organization here called Together We Stand that is doing that. And it was all started because of the Ahmad Arbery murder. And I recently went to their third year anniversary and I got to speak with the person that put it together. And he had, he's like, I have this vision of like going to the, you know, Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh, and we all get together and we run in unity and we get to know each other and have a conversation. And I was like, yes, this is what we need. We need to learn from each other, not you conform to my predominantly white running group. We need to learn from each other. We need to understand each other better. That is how we become better humans. That is how we diversify the running community. That's what I'm hoping for. And that's why I'm always like telling my white friends like, hey, there's a Latinos run this weekend if you guys want to come out. And I always lead with, I know it says Latinos run, but I know you said you want to do the work. So here's your call to action. Jasmine has reestablished her voice through running and is encouraging others to do the same. She's also speaking up about the change she wants to see. 
and she's discovering ways that she can learn about her own ancestry and more fully embrace her identity as a Puerto Rican, Mexican, indigenous woman. Yeah, I mean, I will say I don't feel like I am as um, educated in my indigenous side. I just recently found out from my half-sister that we're Apache Mexican. So she definitely knows more than me. I kind of refer to her as the educator of the indigenous part of our family because she's done a lot of research. But there are also so many like free resources that you can learn about just indigenous history, like land acknowledgement. That's something that I've started practicing. There's an app that you can download. Um, I think it's called Native Lands. And you can put in where you're running and it will show you where what land you're running on. And that's something that I find myself doing because I'm like, well, this is a part of who I am. You know, I am indigenous. This it was our land first. So I should be doing land acknowledgement as a way to give thanks to my ancestors and also to be like, hey, ancestors, isn't this crazy? I'm running, I'm, you know, out here being your wildest dream. And yeah, I think it's important to be inclusive of all of that. Jasmine has also become an active member of Latinos Run in Raleigh. So, yeah, I think this is kind of like my way of giving back to my Latino community in the sense of like bringing the joy of running to Latinos in this area and getting them involved in stuff like marathoning and and ultra marathoning because there are certain subcultures of running that I don't see a lot of people who look like me in. And I understand that running can be intimidating. And I know that like there's a perception that you have to have a certain body type, a certain look. And I'm all about like, let's smash that because when I first came into running, nobody looked like me. Nobody had a body type like me. I've even struggled with my own body type for a long time because I don't come from small people. You know, I come from very bootylicious, blessed people. And that's something that, like, I just really want to, like, show other Latinos in this area. Like, you don't have to be small. You don't have to look a certain way. You can be just as is authentically you and just go out there and run and have a great time. And that brings us to the end of Jasmine's story. I want to thank Jasmine so much for coming on the podcast. I'd become a fan of her podcast and I really wanted her to come on the show. So I'm very, very thankful that she did that. And I really encourage you to listen to her podcast. She is open and honest. Her conversations are raw. And the best way I can describe it is she podcasts from the heart. So yeah, go give it a listen. Again, the name of her podcast is Brown Girl Running, and of course, I will link to that in the show notes. I will also link to the other ways that you can keep up with Jasmine Santiago, and I will link to the Native Land app that Jasmine mentioned, as well as Diverse We Run, the Instagram account founded and overseen by Carolyn Sue. And as a side note, Carolyn Sue is going to be a guest on Women's Running Stories soon, so stay tuned for that. And in the show notes, of course, I will link to Hear Her Sports, 
and all of the ways that you can keep up with women's running stories. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. And I would also appreciate if you would share the podcast with a friend who you believe would like these stories as well. I say it almost every episode because it's true. I love making these episodes, but I know that the power of them comes in you listening and you sharing these stories. So thank you. I also do not make this podcast by myself. The original music that you hear is made by Cormac O'Regan. He makes that from his home studio here in Cork, Ireland, which is also now where I am located. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And until next week, I am coming to you from my home studio closet in Cork, Ireland, and I wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's running, running, running. Running Running stories. stories. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.